scripture reading for this evening is John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, and then 31 through 35. And it reads, Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. He poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, Those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I've given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. Now the human one has been glorified, Jesus said, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We come to Monday, Thursday, and the word Monday comes from the Latin word mandatum, which is where we get our word mandate or commandment. So it's all about this commandment, but we're in the middle of focusing on the questions Jesus asks. And so the question we're going to consider is, do you know what I've done for you? Do you know what I've done for you? Now, to understand this question, we need to understand the story from which it came, the larger story of the scene and the larger story of the entire gospel itself within a largest story that we can conceive of, which is of the whole Bible. Now, I say that because this starts with the understanding that this occurs on the evening prior to Passover. Passover has occurred three times in the Gospel of John, and this Passover 
meal, uh, this pre-Passover meal that's in our passage tonight, notice there's no meal. They don't talk about the meal. There's no breaking of bread. There's no first communion. There's simply this foot washing that takes place at some point uh, after the meal. But if we look at the Gospel of John, we understand that Passover has occurred three times now or, or is about to occur for the third time the next day following this scene. But it's all framed in this Passover mentality. The first time we experienced Passover was in chapter 2 of John. And in chapter 2, uh, we find that Jesus cleanses the temple, declares himself as the temple, as the very presence of God among the people. And then we find the next Passover in chapter 6 when he feeds the 5,000 and he declares himself as the bread of the Passover meal and that we must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood if we are to have life. And then this washing comes in the third. Now to understand Passover, we got to go all the way back to Exodus. And the Exodus story the people of God were captive, they were enslaved, and they needed liberated from Egypt. And before they were liberated, the last plague was the, the angel of death as we refer to it, but it was the presence of God and the destroyer that came upon all the people of Egypt, all the land, all the slaves and the free, and was going to take the life of the firstborn son. And so you had to paint the doorway with blood of a lamb, and then this presence would pass over your house, leaving you safe. And so they celebrate the Passover as the, the story of their liberation. And every year, the Jewish people gathered and still gathered today to tell this story, not only of how God liberated them, but how God continues to liberate God's people. Now, John frames this whole thing throughout the entire gospel to say that Jesus is the fulfillment, is the, is the whole purpose of the Passover. And we see this in all sorts of the symbology and the language. Uh, the presence of God was with the people in the wilderness after they were liberated from Egypt. The presence of God was with the people, yet Jesus declares himself as that temple that contains the very presence of God among the people. God is now in the form of a person. And he cleanses the temple where the people had claimed that God dwelled in their own day in the first century. That's where God's presence was according to them. But Jesus says, no, we could destroy this temple and know that I am the temple. And you're going to destroy me, but in three days I will rise. It's a strange claim. And then in chapter 6, the whole purpose of the Passover is to have a meal to tell the story, yet Jesus provides the bread for the people because he is a king and provides bread for his people and then declares himself as the very bread of life that the people truly need. He's not only our king, he is the substance, the sustenance, the very thing that we long for is in him, in his flesh and blood. Again, a strange claim. And then on this third Passover, the beginning of this series of events that will lead to his death, Jesus doesn't talk about a meal because we've already seen the meal in chapter 6. Instead, he focuses on a new revelation of God's character that is found in the very body of Jesus as this holy human temple. Jesus, who is the host of the meal, who is the king, the provider, who is the presence, takes off his robe 
and puts on a towel. He removes himself from the host's seat of this great and symbolic meal and becomes the very servant, the slave, the lowest person present. And then he kneels at the feet of his beloved disciples to wash their feet. This is the full extent of God's love. And this is the symbol for Jesus' final hour. There's so much in John. It's just layers and layers. He says the glorification of God has occurred. And the glorification of Jesus, the human one, has occurred. It's happened. And it happened in this washing, this ultimate expression of agape love of the God of our whole creation kneeling down at our feet to take the form of a slave, to empty himself out and to wash us. A bold claim, a strange one, one that's hard to accept, which is why Peter can't. Peter says, no, this is not going to happen. But Jesus says, you aren't going to understand the relationship with me, the proper relationship with God, unless you let me do this, because our God serves us. And that's a really hard claim to accept. John is showing us that God, the Word in flesh, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Christ, is a servant, and that is the ultimate expression of this great love which he's come to reveal. Now, tomorrow, Jesus is going to change his clothes again. He is going to be dressed as a king, as a suffering king with a crown and a robe. He's going to be lifted up and offered as the great sacrifice, as the very Lamb of God that Passover points to. And that's why for John, the crucifixion happens on Passover, where in the other Gospels, it's the Last Supper that occurs at Passover, and the crucifixion's the next day. For John, Jesus is the Passover Lamb. It's what it's all been pointing to, and it's by that blood of that Lamb that we can receive life that death will pass over us. This is quite an image. But we have to be washed. We have to allow our God to kneel and wash us. And unless God washes us, unless Jesus washes us, we have no share with Him. Unless we eat of the flesh and drink of the blood, we will not abide in Him, nor will He abide in us. So Peter does what Peter does. At first says no, but then realizes that it needs to happen. Then says, well, wash my whole body. Wash everything. Do it all, God. Do it all, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm here to do. So the point is, Jesus becomes the servant. And then, then claims that all the glorification has occurred. And more glorification will occur. And he gives this great mandate, this great commandment. Love each other. Agape each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. It seems that by removing ourselves from places of hierarchy down to the lowest of the low to serve and wash each other, that is the demonstration of God's love. That is how people will know that we are the church and of something different. It's no matter of power. It's no matter of being able to quote scripture and being able to do all the wonderful things that we long to do. Jesus says, this is how you will know. This is how the world will know that we are disciples. When the disciples love each other to the point where they serve each other, 
just as Jesus served us. We must become slaves to one another, even to those who fail, betray, and abandon. Just as Jesus washed Judas' feet, we must wash feet. That is our calling. That is our mandate. We have to accept the washing first, which I think is maybe harder than it is to wash each other at times. Sometimes it's easy to serve one another. We love each other. We're in this, this wonderful place. We've become this wonderful people, this congregation, and we are part of the larger body of the church, and we understand the whole point, and it's easy, but it, it's harder when we don't all agree with each other. It gets harder when we're in combat with each other about how the church is going to move forward, about what we believe, and about the limits of our love and acceptance. That's where, where it gets harder. And in the midst of all that chaotic division, we're faced with the question, will we, will we receive the washing of our God who serves us? Will we embody and go and live and imitate a life that is Christ-like by serving and washing each other? Can we receive each other's washing? Our proper relationship with each other starts there. Our proper relationship with God begins here. And so tonight, you're going to have the opportunity to wash each other's feet. You'll have the opportunity to receive the washing and to give the washing. And we're going to spend some time in prayer before we do that. This is how we imitate Christ. So let us be washed and let us offer a washing out of love for one another. Let us not wash each other out of a look how great and humble I am kind of attitude. Let us wash because we long to serve and love each other. We long to look up from down low upon people Jesus has washed. We long to love them as Jesus has loved them. We long to be all that we were ever created to be, to glorify God in our flesh by washing. This is how we are known as disciples of Jesus Christ. So let us wash. Let us experience the love that Christ has given us. Amen. Mm -hmm.